welcome to the Elevate Your Equity podcast, where we, as married busy professionals, leverage real estate investing to unlock the three plus one degrees of freedom, health, location, time, and financial. Today, we've got a fantastic guest on the show, Mr. Corey Robinson. Corey is a committed husband and father who has a life dedicated to growth and improvement. And he's a business leader who has taken what he has learned in the corporate world and leveraged it to build a sizable real estate portfolio locally. He's focused today on building a powerful mindset, embracing his new financial success, helping others achieve financial freedom, and defining what the next stage of life is. I understand, Corey, that you're in a little bit of a transition zone right now too, so we're excited to talk a little bit more about that. But before we do, just want to ask you, how are you today? Yeah, I'm great, Derek. Thanks for having me. Things are going well. All right. Love to hear it. Well, why don't we start out at the beginning? Because there's a lot to talk about. And I just want to find out a little bit more about how you got into real estate investing and how you got to where you are today. You know, what you do today, what your day-to-day looks like. Appreciate that. Uh, So funny story. Um, You know, it goes back about a decade. I had a a friend of mine who was buying rentals 10 years ago or so. We're in our mid-20s. Um, and he was always on me to get more involved and uh, go and invest with them. Uh, so one of those things I always wanted to do, but I never really got around to doing, you know, with life, uh, separating, you know, getting finances set aside to do it. And then, you know, fast forward about five, six years later, I'm actually getting married. I'm on a beach in Puerto Rico, my family and my friends, uh, my father and one of my buddies, we were talking about it. And, you know, as that day is just like, okay, let's commit and actually do something with this uh, instead of just talking about it. And so we came home from my wedding and laid out a plan on how to move forward, um, gathered up some capital uh, and really just went out and first couple of buys, I would say the first dozen buys, went and bought cheaper properties, either fixer uppers, you know, single families or some smaller multifamilies that we could, you know, create some equity in by fixing them up. You know, we Rent rates were real low. We knew that there's just a bunch of opportunity there. So that's really how we got our start. Today, I'm a corporate executive. So I work uh, in occupational safety and risk management. Uh, but today, I also, in addition, I have a portfolio of over 100 units now, really primarily focused on single family and that mid-sized multifamily is what goes on. That's kind of my side hustle today, but looking to depart in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. So there's a lot to take away from all this. And we I can't wait to touch on some of the things that you're learning from or taking from your corporate job and applying into the real estate business right now. But before we do that, I want to back up a little bit further because it sounds like there was a decision made for you and your family to start getting involved in real estate and doing that as a side hustle. But what I really wanted to find out is like, where did that come from? You know, I know there's plenty of preparation that comes into a decision being made to be like, all right, we have tens of thousands of dollars. Let's go ahead and deploy it. Where did that passion or the knowledge and the awareness about investing in real estate come from? You know, I think that initially, you know, I wouldn't say that there was the knowledge base was there. My dad had done some rentals, you know, some real estate investing in his past, you know, I would say mild success here and there. But I think it just came with the the thought processes as I like within my, my profession or my career, you know, I kept hitting the next level. Uh, I don't know, felt still not whole, uh, kind of looking at my finances, you know, as we made more money and as our careers grew, our finances grew on as thing, you know, how can we get out of this situation where we're, we're continuing to level up to where our income is at and really create some sustainable wealth uh, and really generate some, 
you know, additional finances for our family. Uh, and that's really, I think, where the desire, the passion came from. It was just no matter how high I climbed the ladder, I just couldn't seem to, to really get ahead to where I wanted to be. I had done enough reading, enough research at that point in time to know that, you know, real estate was an avenue, you know, and then I looked at like retirement accounts, right? How slowly those grew over time. We'd been investing for, you know, two decades at the time of this, or almost two decades at the time of this decision was made, realized, you know, nothing is growing as quickly as we hoped. And it's like, how are we really going to live the life we want to live once our kids are gone and we retire just off of things like 401k or, you know, the pension that my wife is fortunate enough to get through the federal government. And just realized, you know, none of this is going to work out the way that we thought. And we need to pivot and focus on something else. That's great. I think that's a pretty good path. And, and how long ago was this when you guys made this decision? It's about three and a half years ago. Yeah. Wow. The decision so, was made. so you went from nothing to about you know, 100 units in about three and a half years. That's uh, you, you, you are, you mean some business. That's pretty good stuff right there. So. Yeah, it's uh, we haven't slowed down, you know, and I think that that's there's there's ebbs and flows and there has been, but I think that the pivot over the last six or eight months to larger units has really made our growth, you know, exponential. We went from, you know, having 10 to having 20 to having 30 to 40. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, now we went from 40 to 60 and from 60 to 90. So we're still picking up small ones and twos along the way, but it's really kind of that pivot to, to larger properties that has made the difference. So one of the things that you wrote when we were talking a little bit before the show, when we had the form that you filled out to come on was the fact that you're resourceful to be able to put this all together. It takes time and energy, obviously, to do all this. Can you speak a little bit to the dedication and the resourcefulness that you had to employ in order to do what you're doing on the side? Yeah, I think, you know, it's think through everything that I'm doing today and how I'm able to do it. You know, it's really comes down to time management being, but I think that it really started with the mindset, you know, is how are we going to get to where we want to go? And I realized that we're growing slowly because, or not as fast as we'd liked, but just because we were heavily involved in everything, touching everything and uh, really shy about bringing people into what we were trying to do, you know, and over the last year, kind of getting into the groups uh, or surrounding myself with the right people and being in the right, you know, conversations has really changed the way that I look at that. So I was able to grind through, get deals done, find money before, but today it's like on a completely different scale. There's so many people doing such great things. You know, it's amazing how easily it is to bring them in. Once they recognize that you you're doing something and doing it right, attracting people to you is pretty easy. You just got to go out, put yourself out there and ask. And I think that's where the change has really happened. That's really been, you know, over the course of the last year. And that's been, you know, I think in large contribution to joining Go Abundance and being around people like you that have really expanded my mindset and comes out and taking action. I think the resourcefulness comes from knowing that I don't have to know everything, but if I decide I want to do something, I'm just going to take action and figure out how to do it along the way. Uh, and that's serving me really well. I do the research. I ask the right questions, but uh, now I'm not shy about going out and bringing people in. And that's how I've been able to close the bigger deals. And that's how I'm able to do some of the things that uh, are up and coming here in the near future around purchasing businesses and exiting my W-2. Yeah, that's really good stuff. And it sounds like it happened in a relatively short amount of time. Usually it takes people closer to five or seven years to be able to escape their W-2. But you know, depending on how things are working for you guys and your expenses, I'm assuming that you guys will fall probably on the early edge of that window or maybe even outside, maybe in four-year period, uh, which is about six months away, which is amazing. 
but what I wanted to do is I wanted to touch a little bit more on resourcefulness and maybe some of the skills that you're taking away from your full-time job and applying into the real estate business. Have you seen any overlap there or have you seen anything that has helped you on your journey? Yeah, I think that, so one of the key focuses in my job now, you know, I, I build systems out for essentially for a living and teach people how to operate within that system, you know, so it brings structure to the business and tries to eliminate waste. And that's what I've tried to take the corporate life that I've led, you know, over the last 15 years and apply to what I'm trying to do uh, is remove middleman, remove uh, redundant communication, put systems and processes in place that allow us to streamline our operations. Uh, definitely still a work in progress. It seems like it's a lot easier for me to do in the corporate life than it is in my own business. But uh, those are really the big things that I've taken away from that. I realized something as simple as a checklist or workflow uh, makes all the difference in the world. Trying to keep track of everything that's going on, my family, you know, with work and with my business is, is overwhelming. And so putting those processes in place has made it a lot more transparent as to what's going on in my business. It's made it a lot easier for me to manage as well. Can you talk a little bit about what that looks like for you? Um, I'm sure that the folks out there are interested in learning maybe a few pointers on being able to keep all that straight because you do have a lot going on. You have family, you have business, and then you have your, your job. All these things are happening at the same time. So how are you using your resourcefulness to create processes and stuff like that for those? Do you have examples? Yeah. So I think that, you know, being property manager or we've moved into being a property manager, having a right system in place and utilizing that system. And so my team, one of the things we've been focused on, we use Buildium. I should, they're not sponsoring that obviously, but uh, that's one of the, you know, the platforms that we use and what I've realized uh, over the last couple of years, we started out using that right off the get-go just because I knew that we need to stay organized. Um, but we, our use of it was underwhelming. We used it, you know, just for the, the key couple of things. But one of the things that we've worked through now is how do we optimize that? Something as simple as just keeping records contained within there that are easily accessible uh, and getting away from having paper documents lie all over the place or sit in a folder somewhere. Uh, now today I'm able to go in, log into the system, pull up a complete history on a tenant, pull up a complete history on the property in itself, you know, within the snap of my fingers, rather than, you know, got to go to the office, got to go search through a file cabinet and dig down and try to find what I'm looking for. Now it's just all there at my fingertips. And I think that people need to understand what I take away from that is like a little bit of upfront work saves you a lot of time on the back end. And that's why I think people, especially entrepreneurs, fewer. It's that additional work. We want to go take action. We don't want to be disciplined and take these couple of additional steps to make our life easier, you know, further down the road. But one of the things that I've starting to condition within my team is making sure that we take those additional couple of steps because uh, it's going to save us a ton of hassle on the back end, which it, it really is starting to show through now. Definitely. I can see that. What do you say to those who are maybe trying to build a team themselves? Because it sounds like you're doing property management on your own properties, right? With your own yep. team and your own partners and investors. Like, did this kind of develop out of default? Did you ever have the idea that you were going to be doing this like full time or did you just come out of a need? Because most people can have their own property managers or they hire property managers to step in and do the work for them. You know, can you talk a little bit about how that developed with building a team and, and getting your own property management in place? I think what has happened over time, we, we wanted our third-party property managers to handle everything initially. Uh, and we, what we found is we were oftentimes still very involved in what was going on. And I think with time, things have grown. And what we've realized is that we, we spend a, a lot of time managing our property manager, which is something that you have to do, I think. 
but everything for us here is local. We know everybody. Uh, we've lived in the community a long time. And I think that it, so it's, it's just happened over time where it's like, okay, we're getting to the point where we have enough properties. Things aren't being turned over the way that we hope that they would be. You know, we have vacancies that we shouldn't have missing maintenance, missing inspections, missing things that we shouldn't miss just because there are too many hands in the pot. Uh, and then we have a property manager trying to juggle everything that they got on their docket as well. So we started to sit down, and look at the finances and realized, okay, you know, not only could we up our occupancy rates and create this level of priority within our own organization, save a ton of money while doing it. You know, we're paying property manager 10, 11, 12% in some instances. And then we started to look at what, what it would cost us to bring somebody in house. And, you know, the cost savings was tremendous. And it's like, we could spend the, a very similar amount of time training somebody and answering questions as we are trying to manage the property manager. And so with that knowledge, we went and said, okay, let's go try to find somebody that's passionate, somebody that's organized and detail oriented. They don't necessarily need to be in the real estate space or doing this. You know, we can train all these tasks, all these things that need to get done. We can train and answer all those questions. So that's what we did. And we went out and hired somebody and it's, uh, it's been, you know, it's been bumpy as the transition has happened, but I think that what we're finding, like, it's just so much easier to communicate because that person is, you know, accountable to us and she does a great job of asking the right questions and trying to step in and be on top of things. So it's like the prioritization of our properties and all being ours is, is paying off huge. And then we're saving money on the backside because we're not paying, you know, a third-party property manager. So we can take that, those savings and redeploy them into something a little bit more fruitful. Yeah, I love this approach. And I think that um, I love the fact that you're not afraid to tackle property management because right now, you know, with my personal portfolio also in a Midwestern market, I'm seeing that the third party property management type of thing is I'm, I'm seeing exactly what it is that you're seeing or that you saw. Fortunately, I don't live in my market, so that makes it a little bit more difficult, but I have partners there. And, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And, and I just love how you're just willing to step into it, even after, you know, only being there in the market for a couple of years, uh, especially in recent, in the recent year, it must've been ramping up. And that must've been the point in time where you're like, we need to have our own management in place. And so just want to say that that is definitely a testament to how resourceful you guys are in making it work no matter what. And so I think that's some investors you're just going to have to do, right? You're going to have to, in some of these markets, you just have to bite the bullet and do things yourself somehow, or at least get a process started so that you can keep things in-house. And I think you're laying the foundation for something much bigger because now you've got all this in-house property management. And really, if you want to grow that business, now you have your investment side and you have your property management side, you can start making money off of both and start to build vertically, which is very cool. Yeah. And I think as we look, you know, to expand, we're looking at markets where we, we have resources in place as well. We have friends, family, acquaintances that we've worked with in the past. And it's like, okay, start eyeing. That's how, kind of how we prioritize which markets we want to penetrate, you know, in the future is like, what kind of resources do we have there that we know that we can rely on to ensure that our investment goes as far as it possibly can. And so um, as we transition, you know, to more of a, a regional type of approach, I think that's really what's going to kick us off is, you know, where do we have somebody that we can trust and we can rely on? Yeah, I love that. So early on, and this is my next to last question for you, is you mentioned that you used to be a factory worker. Is that right? You used to be a factory worker and you've gone all the way to where you are today, partly because of resourcefulness, but also because of maybe mindset and some growth and the willingness to take on challenges. Can you speak a little bit about, to the point about how much you have changed from that early point 
to where you are right now today? Yeah, I think that the change is, I don't even know that I can put it into words. I think to give a little, give a little uh, context to this, I grew up uh, in Southern California uh, to a really poor family on welfare, uh, moved to the Midwest um, where my dad was located after I had graduated high school, which was a, a definitely a challenging period in time, um, but it was, it was life-changing for me. Uh, and so I think that, you know, I got off to what would be, I guess, a slow start at that point in time, took a job, whatever I could find as a factory worker and realized, okay, that, uh, yeah, I'm paying the bills. Like this is a different way of life than what I was accustomed to, but there's gotta be more out there to this. And so then I just started to build upon that rather than sit and complain and worry about all the things that were happening to me and watching people around me that had worked in these factories for 20, 30, 40 years and watching how miserable they were and watching them give their best years of their life away. Like I realized like, this isn't how I want my life to go. Like I want to be vibrant and happy and live a big life. And I didn't know what that all meant at the time, but I knew that this wasn't it. And so I just started to move forward. Right. And so I went back to school, got an education and started moving up the ladder and life got drastically better. I went from, you know, working shifts, working holidays, you know, just a terrible work-life balance to the last five years I work from home. I make my own schedule, you know, and I have a great income, but it's, I think it was just that acknowledgement of this is not the life for me. There's nothing against people that are doing this, but uh, waking up every day, being unhappy, just, just wasn't, wasn't it. Uh, and then I realized as I reached different peaks, right, that I was really hungry. I would reach that peak, be really happy, um, whatever that may be, finishing school, getting a promotion at work. And I was like, okay, I was happy for a minute. And then I'd go into a period of being depressed. I started to search and try to understand why. And I started to realize like it, it's the, the satisfaction of the challenge of trying to reach your goals. Like that's really where I think the happiness sets in here. You know, tons of people talk about it, but it, it really is that. And I realized that, you know, every new peak, there's going to be this plateau and this, this moment of, I won't say unhappiness, but discontent. Uh, and I'm going to have to find something else to do. And so I think it's just been building over time, you know, and that ideology all came full circle in the last year where I've actually realized and been able to articulate what that, uh, what that peak and valley state is uh, and why I feel that way. Uh, and so now it's like, I know now I'm moving goals and doing more before I reach that next peak and challenging myself more every day. It's continuing to pay off, right? We're continuing to see my trajectory, my team's trajectory grow because of the fact that the self-awareness of what's going on in life and why I am the way that I am. Yeah, I think that's super inspiring. I'm glad that you shared that with the audience because some people right now, and, and I'm sure that maybe you had felt this at one point, you know, maybe five, 10 years ago, where you're working a job and you felt maybe stuck. Like, yes, it's great that you have gotten, you know, you got an education and you started working up through the ranks. But then, you know, there's always this feeling that sets in with corporate employees, at least people that are wired like us that want something bigger. You kind of sit there and you go, is this it? Is this all that there is? And then you start asking questions and then you hit these plateaus, right? And then you have to change your mindset and think about basically becoming a different person, you know, in order to overcome that. Because if you think the same way, you're going to have the same problems. And as soon as you think differently, then all of a sudden you're, you're you start going to new heights. And um, I think that that's a super inspiring story. And that's really cool. So where, where do you think uh, all this leads you in the next three years? What's your vision for uh, what's coming down the, down the road for you? Yeah, that's, you know, that, that's, I think the thing that I'm pondering today, I think 
I have learned some stuff about acquiring businesses, acquiring small businesses uh, over the last uh, 18 months or so, really in the last six months. Uh, that seemed really intriguing to me. And the one thing I think about acquiring a business is that, uh, especially a successful one, is it gets the cash flow up, right? And so I, as I'm looking to pivot away from my career and into something that brings me a, a lot more challenges and more happiness, I, I'm looking to purchase small businesses and looking to start acquiring small businesses. Uh, and you know, I don't know what the end game there is, but I do know that that's you know kind of the conduit for me to to pivot away from my W-2 and leave earlier. I think that my thought was, you know, by 40, which is about a year and a half away for me, I would leave and just do real estate full-time. But with my newfound knowledge, I realized that, you know, maybe I can expedite that process through an acquisition. Uh, and I never realized how much uh, demand for buyers of small businesses there is. Uh, and so I just started to do some research over the last half a year and, you know, found a couple of different businesses close in proximity that like, okay, you know, the financials work out really well. This makes a lot of sense. And really getting the deal done is, I won't say it's simple, but it's really not that all, not all that hard, especially once you have a port, sizable portfolio, like I have now, banks are more than happy to uh, go out and lend you money, especially an SBA loan or something like that. So that's, you know, that's really kind of the next step uh, is to, to purchase a business, continue to grow my real estate portfolio and maybe get some time back soon because it's uh you know carrying a job kids wife real estate business it's it's a lot to take on so I, I look forward to the day where I can take a step back a little bit and have a little bit more time to focus on how I'm going to grow next and focus a little bit more time on my family most of the people that we talk to on this show real estate is their offense and their defense it's their main strategy for both and, and I think it works well as both depending on how you use it but I want to get your quick opinion on how maybe you're using this because I hear, you know, by buying small businesses or having other ways to increase cash flow and leverage your current skills as an executive and someone who knows how to utilize processes and has money and cash flow. I'd like to hear your take on, you know, what you think a good balance is. Maybe this isn't a fair question because it may be different for everyone, but I'd like to hear it from your point of view, how you're thinking about going forward with this. Yeah, I think that the balance... Uh, I don't think it came out of necessity to diversify. So that I think first off, you know, real estate is still my main driver of wealth and where I'm going to continue to focus. I think that what came to light for me was the ability to get time back. If I went out and bought the right business with the right structure in place, uh, my need to be there all the time uh, would be diminished greatly. Now, my job can be pretty demanding while I have control of my schedule for the most part. There's still a lot of need to get done and I have a big team to move. And so the thought process for me was, can I get my cash flow up to a point where I can exit and get some time back? And I think that was my, the main driver was the return on time because uh, that'll allow me to focus more on my real estate uh, and probably give me a little bit more capital to play with. And two, grows my, my wealth as well, bringing on a business where W2, it's great to have that income, but with the business, uh, that is mine. I don't really answer to anybody. And, uh, you know, the wealth that's generated off of that shows up on my balance sheet as well. And so I think those, you know, all those things combined is really what drove me there. But I would say the biggest thing was the return on time. Excellent. Yeah. I think a lot of people are looking at that return on time. I think a lot of people are starting to look at time freedom as a more important resource than financial. Uh, a lot of people right now, especially, you know, we're recording this um, as the Fed just raised interest rates and, you know, there's fears of a very deep recession in the economy coming up. A lot of people, I've been looking at the spending patterns of millennials and some of the other groups out there, 
that people are starting to look at time in a different way. They're starting to just, you know, whatever money it takes for them to enjoy what they have right now is what they're doing. I don't know if that's like a secular thing, something that that's happening right now. And maybe it's just a cultural shift in the US. But I think the the universal understanding and people are, are realizing that chasing the money is not really the ultimate goal here. It's really about that time creation. We all have 24 hours in a day. And it's up to us to find a way to be able to spend them the best way that we can that's in alignment with what we want in our life. And so um, I think that's really cool that you're chasing that and not necessarily the money, for instance, because that's there's always a reason behind the money. I think that time thing is a very valuable pursuit of what it is that you're trying to do. So thank you for sharing that. Wanted to thank you, Corey, for coming on the show. But before you go, we have uh, the rapid round, which is the same five questions that we ask every one of our guests. Number one, what is the book that has had the biggest impact on you and why? And it can't be the rich dad, poor dad Bible or the Bible itself. Yeah, that's a good question. And I think I, you know, I think back in recent history, the books that have had the biggest impact, uh, I think most recently 5am club was one that really put into perspective my morning routine, which has helped me stay organized and productive more so than any other, but I've read, you know, a lot, put a lot of different effort into my morning routine, but that helped, I think, just streamline, solidify the morning routine, which has paid dividends for me. Excellent. Love it. Number two, if people want to emulate your success, what do you think is the first actionable thing that they could do to follow in your footsteps? Acquire the knowledge, everything you could ever need out there. And don't think that you need to know it all, but go out there and get the information that you need. Yeah. Great advice. Number three, what is one tool process or hack in the last three to six months that you've used recently that helps you save time and or effort? Time blocking has been a big part of my, uh, something that I've played with and up until the last two months, it wasn't something that I really put into motion on a normal basis, but now every day uh, I plan out my calendar and populate it with the tasks or the things I'm going to be working on during that time period. And I have the discipline to stick to that. And I think that's been, that's been paid, paid back huge. Yeah. That's one of the biggest secrets for me uh, as well. Uh, When I first started out was, was having that, having those time blocks, just to know that that was there and and be able to make forward momentum all the time. Because even if you're not, aren't moving fast, as long as you have forward momentum, you're working towards something great. So number four, if the people you know had to describe you with one word, what word would that be? I think action oriented. I think that's really where I don't think too hard about things. Uh, I've learned to stop analyzing and just move forward. And you know, knowing that I, as long as I'm equipped with enough information and I take action, that I will uh, arrive at my goals one way or another. Yeah, no analysis paralysis anymore. It's good. <laughs> All right, number five. What small thing do most people not know about you? Oh, I'm a huge Lakers fan. Uh, I live in the Midwest. I've lived here for a long time, oh, entire adult life. Cool. Most people wouldn't know that, but yeah, I'm, I grew up in LA and love the Lakers. So, what is your relationship right now with the with the Warriors? <laughs> it's a love hate. <laughs> <laughs> it's a love hate. Okay. Yeah, California. my 13 year old is a big basketball player, and he loves Golden State. Right? It's hard to it's hard to get away from it. There, Steph Curry, I think, it draws a lot of ki- young kids in, and so it's a. Uh, a little envious, a little hateful, but uh, can appreciate <laughs> can appreciate what they've done. Yeah, it's really it's impressive what they've been able to set up too. I was I just started watching basketball about 
yeah, maybe five years ago because my wife's family's into it. And we were in the Bay Area at the time. So it's kind of an exciting time. Even um, at the, the company that I used to work for at the corporate job, they were passing out like, you know, jerseys and stuff like that. They were really into it. So the whole, <laughs> the whole Bay Area is like on fire now because of, yeah. of what's going on, I'm sure. So, well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I had an awesome time having you here. But, you know, before we go, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about how they can find out what's going on in your world and how to get in touch with you or your team? Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. I don't do a lot of the social media. I know I'm trying to get better at that stuff. So those are probably the best places to find me, or you can look up uh, RTR Investments LLC is uh, one of my businesses and probably the one that's been marketed the most. So, Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you very much, Corey, for coming on the show. And for you listeners who have made it all the way to this point in the podcast, I want to thank you as well. Please, wherever you're watching or uh, listening to this, please like, subscribe, and comment, rate, review, do whatever you can to interact with the show so that we can get more listenership and appease those algorithm gods and get exposure to more and more people. So thank you guys for listening. And Corey, thank you also for coming on the show. It was a blast having you. Yeah, Derek, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. This is Derek signing off.